Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. This week's episode is sponsored by Jane Stafford Textiles. If you missed my interview with weaving legend and beloved teacher Jane on the podcast last week, make sure you download and listen to it. It was such an inspiring conversation. Getting started can be the most difficult part of any weaving project. And when you sign up for Jane's newsletter, you'll receive a free PDF download of Project Planning 101, a weaver's toolkit. This guide is full of Jane's wisdom and includes worksheets and reference charts to make starting your next weaving project easier. You'll also get to learn more about the JST Online Guild, which offers in-depth instruction for weavers of all experience levels. Your yearly subscription gives instant access to a library of foundational videos and workshops from previous years, plus each episode from the new season as they are released throughout the year, 10 episodes in all. Each season explores a theme, and in 2019, the Guild is pushing the boundaries of plain weave. I signed up for Jane's Guild immediately after talking to her for the podcast, and you should come join the fabulous community over there. You can sign up for the free guide at bit.ly slash jstguild, which is also linked to in my show notes. Thank you so much, Jane, for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, people. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode with Julius Tillery. I'd love to hear feedback of what you all thought of the episode. Also, feel free to suggest other folks that you think would be a great addition to this series. You can email me at lashawn at gishyarn.com. That's L-A-C-H-A-U-N at G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. This week, we're turning the tables a bit. And I'm going to be interviewing Sarah Resnick, the founder of the Gist Yarn Weaving Shop and this podcast. She'll be behind the microphone this time, sharing some of her own journey and also some of the exciting things she's been working on behind the scenes. Hey, Sarah. It'll be interesting for me to be on the other side of this. I always get to ask people the questions. We'll see how I do on the other side. <laughs> Can you start off by introducing yourself to the viewers who, of course, know who you are, but maybe might not know a few specific things that you would like other people to know about you? Sure. Um, my name is Sarah. I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I've lived for the last five or six years in Boston. So that's where my home and my yarn shop is right now. And I have for basically as long as I can remember, have been in love with yarn and textiles. Um, my best friend's grandmother taught me how to knit when I was seven years old with like big chunky needles and some pink acrylic yarn from Joanne Fabrics. And I don't think my friend was that interested, but I fell in love with it <laughs> and kept going and going with it. And um, just kind of always found myself as a hobby interested in textiles. Uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I did a lot of sewing and I would, my bedroom was directly above my father's bedroom and he would tell me the next morning what time very late in the night I went to bed because that was when the sewing machine stopped whirring above him. Um, so I, I always loved working with, with textiles in that way. Um, 
never was something that I planned or thought about doing as a career, um, either as an artist or in the industry. It was, it was something for fun. And let's see. And then I found myself when I was 19 years old um, working on a farm called Hidden Villa, which is in, um, in California. And we had a lot of sheep on this farm. They were being grown for meat, so they weren't special, especially soft wool by any means. And the farm hadn't really decided what to do with this wool. So there were just like huge, huge bags of old, poopy, straw dirty wool in the barn. <laughs> Um, and on the weekends, I would dive into those bags of wool and I, I learned how to spin and I learned how to wash that wool and was just kind of enthralled with the idea of, of getting to play and, and make something um, from just this, this raw animal fiber. And um, in those same barns, there were a couple old looms that were taken apart and leaned up against the wall. And I was really intrigued by them, but I didn't obviously know how to use them or know anyone around the farm who could teach me. But I decided that um, I wanted to learn sometime in the future. And uh, after I spent that year in California working on that farm, I moved to Toronto um, to go to school for nothing related to textile, sadly. I was studying forestry. Um, <laughs> but I uh, found a weaving class which is, it was in Scarborough, which was like two subways and then a 20 minute bus ride and then a 20 minute walk um, to get all the way out to this place called Cedar Ridge where they were, had weaving classes. So it was a really long schlep, especially for someone without a car. And I would go every Tuesday night um, and there was a, a group of women there who had been weaving for a long time and, and taught me how to warp a loom. And um, I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole, which I think a lot of people can identify with. I became absolutely completely obsessed with weaving and I devoured old issues of handwoven magazine and I scoured Craigslist and bought my own floor loom like three months later even though we lived in this tiny little studio apartment essentially um, and I just loved the way you could create fabric and the opportunities for creativity um, within that and that was that was in 2008 and i have been a weaver ever since wow that's super interesting what would you say was the process from you making and being inspired on the farm to you actually opening up your yarn shop yes that's a great question um so professionally i have had quite a winding journey um, so I, I can take you through that a little bit. I think in many ways it has, has all led in a great confluence to this yarn shop and this podcast that I have now. Um, but I started out with my work during and after finishing college as a community organizer. And I was working in Toronto on a few different projects focused on creating safe, good, healthy access to food and building um, community connections to farms. Uh, other sorts of things all related to that. Uh, loved working with people in that way. And um, when I moved to Boston, I was working for a little while as a union organizer. And then I worked um, for a nonprofit organization that was training community organizers. And in my head, this work was really important and necessary. And I loved being part of um, making change or trying to make change and sometimes failing in the ways that I wanted to see in the world. 
Um, but I started to realize that it wasn't lighting up my spirit and my soul in the way that it was I was looking for. Like I knew um, that this kind of work was important, but it just didn't feel what I was being called to do. And I became, I started to become more curious about the business sector, which was somewhat random for me. I don't have a family history of people that run businesses um, or are artists and sell things. Um, and it's not something I, I thought that I could do. Um, but I became curious about it, and especially about people who were using the making of physical products to build better communities, better economies, um, better environmental, you know, things in their community. So kind of the ways that um, manufacturing and making products and specifically textiles could be used to build better community. So, I mean, there were some parallels and interests in um, to community organizing. And then obviously it's, it's really, it's really different um, to be from the business side. So I um, moved from the nonprofit world into working for a year uh, at a place called Good Clothing Company, which is a small batch sewing, uh, cut and sew manufacturer in Fall River, Massachusetts. And a really dear friend of mine, Catherine Hildebrand, had started this business. And I worked with her to get a new facility in Fall River up and running. And that was, you know, kind of, I just dove right in and um, learned all about the really, really hard, really, really important work of people who are working to build out the textile industry and reshore American jobs and make something that can be viable um, for small businesses and that can keep people employed and that can make products here. Um, and that was like a crash course in so many different things. Um, and uh, was really hard and was really fun. And I, I learned a lot about textile manufacturing in this country. And I decided that I wanted to strike out on my own and build something that kind of pulled these different threads together and that was supporting uh, textile manufacturers and yarn manufacturers that were doing things in good ways. And that was also um, part of a vibrant maker community, which had like up until then always been my hobby and nothing I thought about doing as a business. But I realized that I just love these communities of people that make things. And I think there's so much opportunity for those of us who are makers to build um, better, you know, to, to support better textile manufacturing, both in this country and overseas, because people who are makers really care about what they're using in their hands and what they're creating with. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a rambly, you know, journey of Sarah Resnick as I have gone over the last few years. Um, and, and here I am. I opened up this yarn shop in June of 2017. Uh, we're in an old boot factory in Stoughton, Massachusetts. It's only 470 square feet, um, but there's a lot packed into here and a lot of plans. And I'm, I'm just really lucky that the making and weaving community has embraced what we're working on. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually find that that is a very reoccurring theme amongst very many small business owners or people in the beginning of their businesses that um, work in craft. 
in addition to just yarn and fibers, you also have Adva Designs, a Judea business that is dedicated to creating Jewish ritual objects. Can you talk about what it means to create Jewish ritual objects and how this venture came to be? Yeah, absolutely. So just yarn is business where I sell yarn to other makers and weavers. And then Adva Designs is um, my own creative outlet where I am designing and manufacturing Jewish ritual objects. So um, mostly what I make are called talit, which is a Jewish prayer shawl. And it's what um, for the first time a kid when they're 12 or 13 will wear in synagogue when they have their bar about mitzvah and then it's something that they um, will continue to wear at synagogue and at important life cycle events at weddings um, throughout their life so i um you know back quite a few years ago when i was learning to weave i i started weaving Talits, um, first made one for my brother for his bar mitzvah. And I realized that I loved making something that was so um, intimately and spiritually connected to some to someone and it would really be with them for a long time. Um, and and because in Boston, there's a rabbinical school here, I quickly, you know, had a growing list of people who wanted me to weave prayer shells for them. Um, and this was when I had such a small apartment that my loom was in my tiny galley kitchen in Boston. Wow. And I was, <laughs> it was like, it just fit. It was crammed into the corner and I was weaving, uh, you know, would come home from my full-time job and weave uh, these prayer shells in the evenings. And I loved doing that. And I also very quickly realized that uh, I would never be able to make enough money to support myself um, by weaving my own products just because I could not charge the amount of money that it would cost for me to weave it. But I became, you know, I was interested in, in textile manufacturing. And so I started to think about how I could make those, um, you know, do the designing and then work with uh, people to make the fabric and sew the products, um, you know, some within this country, some outside of this country. Uh, and it kind of unfolded slowly and organically from there. And I now um, have a few like really fabulous partnerships um, with factories that make uh, my products. And I, I sell them to the Jewish community here in the U.S. and a little bit also overseas, um, both on my website and uh, to, to Judaica stores. And that's that's what Adva is. And Adva, by the way, means ripple in Hebrew. And I like thinking about the rippling impact of something that's pretty small, which is making making something, the impact that that can have um, out in the world. Wow, that's also super interesting. You mentioned that your textiles are manufactured ethically and sustainably. And you also have this background with manufacturing textiles and sourcing yarns and things. Can you speak maybe to the specific ways that you have made uh, choices in business to being ethical and sustainable? Yes. I love talking about this and it's also really hard to talk about um, because it's really not black and white and anybody who kind of says that it is and says that everything that their company is doing is like totally green is is wrong and everything and it's the same for my company i mean everything is is shades of of gray i would say and in the, in the making of any 
in the making of any product, uh, you know, there is, there is waste, there, there, are, there are things happening in the world. And so I try really hard to think about how to veer, you know, towards the best practices that I can and also to support the kind of businesses that I want to be supporting. So for just, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have a mill. I'm not making my own yarn. I'm working with mills who are making yarn. And I, I try to work with people who are small businesses who are really close to, um, their employees and so and close to the products that that they're making and who are trying to do things a little differently um but i don't have like a list of you know a checklist the way that you know to become certified organic there's a really long checklist and then that's how i see right i'm looking i i really am i'm looking for companies that inspire me i'm looking for materials that are hard for weavers to find in other places and that they're going to want to use I'm looking for things that they're going to be able to use for a long time, um, things that are dyed well. And uh, yeah, you know, in some cases that means I get to visit the mills and see what they're doing firsthand. In some cases that means I talk with them on the phone a lot or by email. Um, in some cases I don't get to visit, but I, I learn about what they're what they're doing. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I think about it. And I it's hard. <laughs> One of the things that I'm working on right now, which I think we're going to talk about a little later, is um, milling, getting milled and dyed gist's first line, um, own line of weaving yarn. And so I've been getting a crash course and, and learning a lot about uh, the different options when you're making yarn and how much those different options cost, how much those different options cost when you're choosing dyeing, um, materials, et cetera, et cetera. And the kinds of choices that you get to make and have to make um, when you're when you're creating a product. So, yeah, I don't know if that's um, you know, feel free to ask me a follow up question if you have ones about that. But that's generally how I try to think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting that you mentioned that because for me, as a you know sustainable designer, artist, farmer there's initially the need to want to get organic certification but what a lot of people don't know is how long of a process and how expensive of a process it is to get those kinds of things and I um, I understand what you're saying in that you work with people and you kind of go based off of what you see and what you feel is um, adequate and the types of businesses that you want to support especially being that more often than not smaller businesses or smaller farmers or smaller weavers or uh, yarn mills and and farms that supply materials for the yarns they often are already working organically or already working within the best interest of uh, sustainability because to be a business owner you want to create an environment that has longevity so I completely understand that one of the things that I noticed that I feel is a reoccurring theme between the podcast and Adva Designs is that you like to tell stories and you're very community oriented can you speak to the ways in which storytelling and community relate to weaving oh yes that's such a good question I mean Weaving is perfect for so many different kinds of metaphors, right? Because the threads are interlacing, 
and we there's so many different steps and then we we create a fabric that you know fabric is so essential to our lives and our communities and it can bind us together so i think there's 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 lots of beautiful kind of metaphors and communities that i think about just in general with with weaving when i sit down at the loom and also just as a human i'm most interested in people's stories i love to know what makes them tick and what makes them scared and what makes them love and I think there's a really beautiful kind of micro community of makers and of weavers who are really pretty authentic and honest with sharing those stories and sharing what's hard um, and sharing what's good and I started this podcast really very selfishly because I had all these people that I had weaving crushes on that I wanted to talk to (laughs) and I was like a little too shy to just randomly call them up and talk to them but I had this excuse of a podcast to be able to hear those stories and also share them Uh, so I just decided to dive into it and people have been so generous and open generous with their time and open with their hearts and with their stories and You know, sometimes the episodes that we create together are really deeply personal. Sometimes they are really informative for weavers who are trying to figure out how to think about using color in their weaving. Um, We're going to dive into some new series that you're working on about farming and textiles, which is going to go in a different direction. So there's all sorts of different kinds of stories. Um, But it's just so fun to get to hear those um, and to get to share them. And that is interesting to me. And I also think that people who know the stories of the specific materials that they're working with, it brings more meaning and value and beauty to the work that they do. And I hear that a lot from my customers, that they really love hearing behind the scenes about how those materials are made. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, being that I listen to the podcast and I'm also now a part of it and editing the podcast, it's really great that you've created this community and there's so much information and we learn so much by listening to the stories of people from so many different backgrounds who've come to weaving in all of these different ways and seeing how their experiences play out in the pieces that they create and hearing the stories to support it really just kind of... Uh, puts the work into perspective yeah well you know the stories are are only as good as the people who are telling them and like this is the very first time that I've even had to be like vulnerable and open on my own podcast so I feel like I can't really take much of the credit but I really appreciate uh, how much people have been willing to share with me basically a perfect stranger for most of them (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so do you have any new projects that you would like to talk about Well, there's always lots of things cooking, Um, but a big thing that I've been working really hard on is is creating that new line of weaving yarn that I was talking about, and then I've mentioned a little bit on the podcast. It's going to be a a blend of a slub blend of cotton and linen. Um, It's going to be thick enough that you can use it uh, on a rigid heddle loom. Also great for floral looms. There's lots of exciting things about it that I will share as that develops. And one of the things I'm most excited about with this yarn is how it came together, how it's made and where it's made. It's made from linen that's grown in France and cotton that's grown in the United States. And it's being spun at a mill in Pennsylvania. 
and it's going to then be dyed in North Carolina and then coming back to our studio in Boston before heading out to all of you. And it's been such a great process to get to build relationships with the people and companies that are going to be bringing this yarn into life and that have been making yarn, dyeing yarn for a long time and have found ways to stay in business and to thrive in business as the textile industry changed so much in this country. And so I'm going to be sharing the story of that yarn over the coming months uh, with people as it develops. And what's really exciting is that it's going to be opening for pre-order this Friday, November 2nd. And the reason that I'm going to be doing it as a pre-order instead of just finishing it up and sharing it all with you when it's ready is, to be perfectly honest, it's really expensive to get a new line of yarn going. You have to meet certain minimums in a mill for it to be financially viable for that mill to want to work with you. And you have to pay, of course, for everything up front before it's out in the world on your looms. And so pre-orders from our beloved weaving community are going to help uh, get this project kickstarted. And truly, I could not do it without uh, people pitching in. And I've had many weavers reach out to me saying that they are excited about this project that's happening and that they're excited to contribute to a pre-order and to get uh, yarn from this. And I'm really grateful for that. And if this conversation today intrigues you and you want to learn more, um, make sure you go over to the website and sign up for the email list. And all the details about this yarn and the pre-order are going to be released on Friday. In addition to the satisfaction of knowing that you're making this yarn happen, you're bringing it into the world, you're also going to get a bit of a discount on it and you're going to get first access to colors and you're going to get your yarn um, before it's available to the general public and you'll also get a free color card of it. So I hope that sweetens the pot a bit and makes people excited to pre-order the yarn. That's what's up with that yarn. There's also some other fun projects cooking. I'm going to be launching a rigid heddle subscription box with Liz Gibson of Yarnworker in January. And that's going to be fabulous for new and medium experienced rigid heddle weavers who want to really stretch the bounds of what they think they can do on a rigid heddle. We're really excited about that. Liz has been working so hard on creating patterns and projects. And I've been pulling together yarn from U.S. Mills that you're going to love to work with for that. So is there anything that we can look forward to in the future for Adva Designs? Yeah. Um, another new project I'm, I'm working on with that is collaborating with the Weaving Mill in Chicago, which is a small uh, mill run, run uh, and two folks doing kind of contract weaving on, I believe they're jobby looms. I hope I'm getting that right. And so they, I've been doing some sampling with them and they're going to be weaving fabric for a new line of prayer shells with me. Uh, and that's pretty exciting. That'll, if all goes according to plan, those will be ready this winter. Um, and it's, it's fun to develop something new stateside with them. Awesome. Although most of the viewership might already have your social media, <laughs> um, can you tell us where we can find you on social media and where on the internet we can follow you or your work? Yes. So Instagram 
is Gist Yarn, G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N. Uh, the website is gistyarn.com. The Facebook and Instagram are slash gistyarn. So follow along there for stories and pretty pictures of weaving and yarn and things like that. Notes about the podcast. If you're interested in the Jewish prayer shawls uh, that I was talking about, that business is Adva Designs, which is A-D-V-A-H, Designs with an S. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes too. And you can find me on Instagram there. And also the website is advadesigns.com. Awesome. So I know you have asked this question many of times on the podcast, and now it's time to pay it forward. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers out there? Yes, I was excited to get to answer this question. So I am like chatting and emailing and all sorts of things with weavers basically all day long every day as you guys send in your various questions or thoughts or photos. And I think my biggest piece of advice is to try new things with abandon and um, don't be too afraid about what's going to happen. Try a material that you're curious about and haven't used yet. Try a set that you think might not work and and see how it goes. Um, Try something that looks like it's wildly out of your skill set and see how it goes. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is that you don't like it that much. And the best thing that can happen is that you really push your own creativity and 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 go new places. So I think that's what I would say. Don't be afraid. Embrace the fact that this can um, be spontaneous and bring new things into our lives. Awesome. Thank you so much for allowing me to interview you this week for the podcast. I'm sure everyone's going to be super excited to hear your story. Well, thank you. Thanks for asking good questions and and thanks for being part of making this podcast so great. I'm so happy to be working with you on it, LaShawn. Awesome. That's a wrap. If you'd like to see photos of the new line of yarn I was mentioning or the Jewish prayer shawls that I design, you can see them in the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 38. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. And that aforementioned new line of weaving yarn is launching for pre-orders on Friday, November 2nd, and I cannot wait. If you are intrigued by this yarn and want to be part of the story of bringing it into the world, I would so, so appreciate your support. Pre-orders will get a bit of a discount on the yarn, a free color card of it, and most importantly, the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping in a very tangible way to keep local textile mills and dye houses in business and flourishing. You can drop your email address in a sign-up form in the show notes if you want to get all of the details about that pre-order in your inbox on Friday morning. That's at gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 38. Thank you to Jane Stafford Textiles for sponsoring the podcast. Don't forget to sign up for the Jane Stafford Textiles newsletter to receive that free PDF download of Project Planning 101, a Weaver's Toolkit, and to learn more about the online guild. You can sign up at bit.ly slash jstguild. The JST Online Guild offers in-depth weaving instruction in the comfort of your own home. Subscribers have instant access to a library of foundational videos and workshops from previous years, plus each episode from the all-new 2019 season as they are released throughout the year. 
10 episodes in all. It's truly a fabulous resource at an accessible price, and many of you have reached out to me after last week's episode to say that Jane is instrumental in your own weaving journey, so make sure you check that out. It's bit.ly slash jstguild. Next week on the podcast, LaShawn is talking to Casey Lynn about her fiber farm where she raises alpacas in Tennessee. Tune in next Monday to hear that fabulous conversation. And until next time, happy weaving. Thank you.